Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And uh, the new Mary Poppins is out. That's Mary right. Poppins Returns. It's only been 54 years since the first one. <laughs> they brought back Mary Poppins, Disney. Um, brand new songs. Brand new Mary Poppins. Judy Andrews is a bit old these days. The new Mary Poppins is played by Emily Blunt, who, frankly, you can't imagine anyone better cast. I mean, she's perfectly right. suited for it. Um, and I think she's great. Um, it's very interesting in comparison to Julie Andrews, actually, because the thing is, you can't imagine anybody better cast than Emily Blunt now. She's lovely. And yet, of course, you've seen her play everything else. Whereas, actually, with Julie Andrews, it's like Mary Poppins and Maria Von Trapp, which are not that different, mm. are really pretty much all she could do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> On you, film, anyway. You do feel the limit to uh, to Julie Andrews, but, uh, I mean, we, we watched... We went to the cinema to see the new Mary Poppins, and then we came back here to watch the old one. Mm. And yeah, they are kind of both perfectly cast. I mean, um, Julie Andrews' Mary Poppins is pretty perfect. Yes. You know, there's a reason that it's Practically perfect in every way. Practically perfect in every way. <laughs> and, um, and Emily Blunt... I, 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 there's, a, there's a kind of central difference, I suppose, that uh, Emily Blunt is not the singer that Julie Andrews is, no. though she's far from a bad singer, and she's given songs that she can sing. But um, I, missed, I missed that. There's something kind of thrilling about having a great voice in a film and actually I thought one of the problems with Mary Poppins Returns is that it doesn't have like a you know none of the people are great singers no they're all adequate yeah that's probably true but but I I don't think you feel I don't think you feel it in the sense of going oh if only this was better I think it's still perfectly enjoyable on its it own is. terms. No, but um, there is a, there are moments when when Julie Andrews sings and she's got that yes. you know beautiful soprano, clear soprano, and actually there's something just thrilling about that voice. Well, there's the moment in the first film where she competes with the mirror version of herself and yes. she sings higher and higher and higher and then calls herself a show off. Um, there's a reason that Emily Blunt is not being given a similar well, she can do kind it, of yeah. thing in this film. Nonetheless, like I say, I think she's given songs that she can sing and so is everybody and the songs are good and they sing them very, very nicely. Mm. Um, but then the the, the kind of uh, second half to that equation is um, Julie Andrews is not the actress that Emily Blunt is. That's Emily true. Blunt brings something more to the character. I think I think actually there's more there's more in the writing of the character as well. Um, I mean, when we when we went back and watched the old one, I was surprised at how basic some of the characterization is, and how how kind of the film is almost like it's a collection of bits somehow. It doesn't quite cohere the original. In we'll get onto it maybe. In this film, there's a much more kind of coherent kind of characterization. There there are things of so the basic idea of the new one is Michael and Jane, the kids from the first film, have grown up. It's set about twenty years later. Uh, Michael has been married, his wife passed away, he's got a couple of kids of his own, Jane is around the house all the time. Mm. Um, and they live in the same house that uh, they lived in in the first film, it's been passed down, but you know, obviously it's quite a grand house, and so so that you don't hate them, uh, they've engineered it so that uh, they don't make very much money, and uh, Michael took out a loan, the loan is now coming under threat of repossession of the house, because he can't pay it back. So the the, the question in the film is how are we going to make ends meet how are we going to save the house and so mm. on Mary Poppins comes back 
and you know there's, there's an interesting thing going on of like she hasn't aged a bit you know mm. sort of so she for, in the first film she was just a magical nanny and now she seems to be some sort of guardian demon angel. well, <laughs> well demon. Or, or angel if you like just like an, an unaging sort of mystical I bet I bet if we asked Matt Denny who we had on for the hereditary podcast he would have some interesting things to say about like <laughs> the kind of what 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 mythological thing you could draw out of the fact she doesn't age <laughs> but th- there are there are things in Emily Blunt's performance where and and the, the direction privileges privileges it as well where shots will linger on her face that express uh, a kind of internal sadness mm. to her somehow and you don't really quite know what it's about um, so she shares, you know, th- this version of Mary Poppins shares the kind of um, aloofness that the old one had of kind of going like, yes, I know I'm facilitating all of this fun, but I'm above it. <laughs> well, it's not just that. I mean, you know, the last lines of the original Mary Poppins was, you know, what would become of me if I loved all the children I took care of yeah, yeah. and then had to let them go? So actually, I think kind of, you know, there is something, well... What I found that Emily Blunt brought was, on the one hand, a kind of an underlying sauciness. Yeah, sorry, an underlying sadness. <laughs> but, but also an underlying sauciness. Yeah, kind of that's really brought out in some of the musical numbers that she's given, right? Yeah. You know, she's, she's, she's a woman who finds joy in sex, really, um, where you never got that sense with, with Julie Andrews. Um, and actually kind of that both of those things are not quite there really there's a you know there's a um yeah there's a desire for them that's ex- that she expresses and a mm. delight in them that she expresses but actually you never see her obtaining it so to speak and that's kind of interesting I, I kind of never thought of it as 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 what she wants i thought of it as kind of obligation so the idea was one of the things that this film does is cleave incredibly closely to the structure of the first film yeah and one of the things one of the kind of defining aspects of the first film is you come to realize by the end that this was never about teaching the kids to to what well, to do anything i mean the kids don't really change or have anything to learn they kind of they, they start off basically having fun and kind of annoying their dad yeah and by the end of the film they're still having fun it's just that now that they are also able to go into drawings and stuff because mary poppins well, she opens that. up their fantasy life right which the father has been repressing and yeah the, the what you realize by the end of the first one is it's all about the dad the dad is the one who needs to learn to lighten up essentially mm-hmm. and in this film the same sort of thing happens so you have michael and jane when mary poppins comes back saying all that stuff that happened when we were kids, I mean, we just imagined it, right? Mm. And by the end of the film, they realised, no, it was true, and yes. they re- kind of rediscover their joy and that sort of thing. So it becomes, it's, again, it's a story of she's there for the dad, not mm. for the kids. Who's the actor who plays, who plays the dad in the original? Which, oh, in the original, David Tomlinson. David Tomlinson. One of the things that surprised me watching the films back-to-back like that is actually how much better David Tomlinson is in that part than Ben Wishaw. Yeah. Which surprised me because I just I adore Ben Whishaw. Ben Whishaw is absolutely lovely and a fantastic uh, actor. He's given different things to do. Yes, um, but and he doesn't. To uh, me, he doesn't do them well. No, probably not. He, he's he's basically a bit of a walking frown. I mean, because he, he he doesn't kind of deny that. He's, the thing about the thing about David Tomlinson's dad was the kids shouldn't be having fun. They yeah. should be learning to get on with the world, and the world's a harsh place, and they need to learn that, and they need to invest in the bank and that yes. sort of thing. Um, and and Ben Whishaw's dad is nothing like that. Ben Whishaw's dad is just covered in woe that he's not going to be able to keep his house. So it's mm. a very different uh, kind of tenor 
that he's asked to do. Yeah, but he I does the Ben Wishaw thing of just looking wounded and sad. Yeah. And actually, I think, you know, the father should have been stressed and loving and whatever. But, you know, this kind of, you know, this wounded sadness that Ben Wishaw always does is a bit... Um, out of sorts with the with the mm. with the with the film, really. I mean, I, I think I didn't sit well with me anyway. I, I think it's not that imaginative, but I think um, I mean, not that imaginative is kind of the way to sum up the new film. I think, it, like I say, it is so heavily uh, cleaving to what the original film did in all sorts of ways. Um, but I think um, the, the the dad is less interesting because he. He he has less to change about himself. I mean, the thing in the original film was it was it was a significant change. The dad was uh, incredibly sort of down the line and you know, stiff up a lip, British. We must raise the children this way and all that sort of thing. And he changes to let's go fly a kite. In this, what does the dad learn? Really, the dad kind of relearns that you know that he he has access to that joy in his life. But the thing about the thing about saving the house and the shares and stuff. Um, the way that that's resolved completely comes from out of nowhere. It's total Deus Ex Machina stuff, and I really actually, I mean, it's so it's so lazy the way that that was fixed. Well, Where you had um, you had the, the the bank chairman still played by Dick Van Dyke, who ninety three years old is still tap dancing on tables. It's amazing. Uh, he's wonderful. But he comes back basically from out of nowhere, just happens to be at the right time, and not only does he say. Oh, it doesn't matter that you haven't got the signatures on the share certificate. He also says, "Oh, by the way, that two p that I made you invest fifty four years ago, that's um, that's made loads of money now, so you can keep the house and stuff as well." Yeah. It, it just completely comes out of nowhere, and it doesn't derive from anything. And it's like the problems are fixed. Well, it comes from the original film. It doesn't. It, yeah, it only only logically. I mean, it doesn't come from it doesn't come from anything insofar as it, like what does the character what does it mean for the characters or anything? Nothing. It's not. It's not actually. It doesn't. It doesn't bring about a change or anything like that that matters. To me, the big failure of the Ben Wishaw character, not necessarily as acted, though I do wish he'd stop being so dour and sensitive all the time, um, but in the way that it's written, is that the logical development in the father would have been to rediscover or recommit to being an artist. Mm. Right, because, you know, so kind of what what Mary Poppins gave the children originally was this access to imagination, right? That was the main thing. And then you see that, you know, his thing was originally to be an artist. And then somehow life made him slip back into being a minor bank clerk at the bank, Mm. right? So you would have expected that part of this learning process with his children and Mary Poppins would have been to rediscover his own gift for art and to recommit to it. And in fact, that doesn't happen. He kind of recommits to his family, but actually he'd yeah. already been pretty committed to his family. It's just been, yeah, you know, he just had all these worries, <laughs> right? So actually he doesn't, you know, he doesn't go through any transformation except that he gets to keep the house. And I think that's a major problem with the film. Yeah, in a roundabout way, that's more or less what I was saying too. In, in yeah, it's not developing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, I, I, yeah. I'm just saying like, we're, we're, we're on the same lines. It's just um, the, the film, like I say, it, 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 it attempts to adhere uh to what the original film was doing very strongly, which is a problem in itself because it just means there's no imagination. On the other hand, it even fails to do some of that. Yes. You know? But let's focus on some of the great bits, actually. because So one of the things that we said was that the film follows the structure of the original 
almost identically. In fact, it seems so lazy that way, right? Like, you know, you have an animated moment or, you know, in in this one, they go into the porcelain. Yeah, right? instead, of in, instead of into the chalk drawing, but it's the same thing. But it's the same thing, right? Um, you know, kind of the Meryl Streep... Uh, um, uh, sort of wacky lady. Wacky she, lady. Mary Poppins' cousin. Yeah, is also like the equivalent of the other cousin in the first film. Yeah, the you know? guy who, uh, who laughs and hits the ceiling. That's right. Yeah. You know, so it's really, really lazy. On the other hand, you know... Kind and at of... the end, instead of flying kites, they all just fly balloons. Yes. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I still found the film hugely enjoyable. Mm. And there were kind of some things, I suppose, that I just, you know, want to highlight. So... Obviously, Emily Blunt is a joy in this part. She's just, she's just perfect. I was also surprised by how charming Lynn manuel Miranda is, you know, because I kind so of... I. I was expecting to be really put off by him. Yes. He, plays, he basically plays a Dick Van Dyke type. Yes. He, he plays Bert, except he's not Bert. He's Alfred or something. And he, he's a lamplighter instead of a chimney sweep. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I thought he was, he was a lot... Well, he was extremely charming, which I just somehow didn't expect. I mean, mm. you know, so I can't remember any of his songs. And actually, for me, the songs are a problem in 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 this new version because, I mean, I'm not I'm not quite sure yet whether they're just not good songs or whether I haven't heard them enough to be memorable yet. That's that's always the danger. But actually, sometimes you li- you know you listen to a song in a movie for the first time and you come out humming it. Yeah. And in this one. You know, we came out humming all the songs from the 1964 original, <laughs> right? And actually, you know, a few days later, uh, the songs I hear in my head are the yeah. ones we saw from the original and not the new one. Absolutely. So I think the score is is a problem. Um, but I thought he was very charming. I thought uh, um, the Meryl Streep moment was entirely a cliche, but a very lovely one. I thought it was great. Yeah. And she was great. Yeah, and she was great. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, kind of the film is full of all of these... Um... It's an improvement on the bit where, where they have the tea party on the ceiling in the first film. Yes. Like, as kind of pointless diversions go. Yes. It's a much better one. Yes. I, and also, I think it's great to see kind of, um, quote-unquote, older actors uh, being given kind of things to do still. I mean, okay, so it's no surprise that Meryl Streep kind of continues to be great. But seeing kind of Angela Lansbury and Dick Van Dyke come oh, back. Oh, she was a joy. Even, even just for small moments. Yes. But um, kind of, you know, real sort of non-genarian stuff. I mean, when, <laughs> when, when particularly Angela Lansbury appeared, it was like, you know. Oh, you had a little moment. You, I had a little moment. I was, was like, ooh, Angela. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was coming, you said. You didn't. I didn't know it was coming. And it was like a complete joy. And, I, and in fact, it brought back these memories. Because the first time I saw the original Mary Poppins, was in fact in a reissue where Mary Poppins and Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, both directed by the same guy, Robert Stevenson. Uh, it was so it was a double bill of those two films, and of course, you know, uh, um, uh, Angela Lansbury was the star of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks mm. uh, with David Tomlinson, I think. Uh, so you know, it was just like a joy to see her. Uh, I did expect Dick Van Dyke uh, to make an appearance, so I was kind of looking out for when he would appear. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I love Dick Van Dyke. And in fact, you know, kind of this very peculiarly British thing about the awfulness of his accent. Who gives a shit when you see the movie, right? Yeah. Like he's just such a joyful presence, really. He's lovely, uh, and, um, and I think it makes the movie. Yeah, the original. Well, I think it's a great part of what makes the movie for sure. Mm. 
you know so so it was a joy to have him back and again as you said it's amazing to see like somebody who's 90 and still dancing like that really yeah. you know it's fantastic. Uh, and there, and you can tell from the shots that actually you know there are moments where they're using a stand-in where he's jumping up the, you know the table but actually the the steps he's doing on the table are his own right and like it's quite amazing to see i think i think he climbs one table himself um, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. He's full of life. Um, it, so we so we watched the original again. I hadn't seen it in a long time. And whenever the title comes up, my mum likes to mention that when I was sort of 16 months old, and then like, when I wasn't walking, she could just plonk me down in front of Mary Poppins, in front of the telly. And I would just sit there and watch it. Mm. And I was a lazy little so-and-so. So, like, if I was playing with a toy and then it kind of went out of reach, I wouldn't bother trying to go get it back. I would just go, no, I'm watching the telly. <laughs> and, and she could go off upstairs and clean and whatever, mm. and knowing that I wouldn't get into any trouble because I was just watching it. And so I would watch this film over and over again. I knew every word every, of all the songs, which is amazing to me because when we watched it the other day, I was surprised at how much I'd forgotten. Oh, well, I was surprised at how much you knew. You were no, no, singing well, every song. Uh, well... Uh, <laughs> I, st- I still know Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I still know Chim Chim Cherie. I still know Let's Go Fly Kite and one or two other bits. But I'd forgotten so much. I'd forgotten, really, anything that happens in the bank, the whole rush on the bank thing. Um. I'd forgotten the tea party in the in the sky. Um, and it's, it's rather like when I watched the original Jungle Book um, a, a couple of years ago. When the new one came out, I went back to the old one to, again, revisit it. I'd not seen that for years. And I was surprised at how badly it kind of hung together. Yeah. Um, the original Jungle Book is a collection of scenes, really. And you remember them. And again, you remember you know, the, some of the songs. You remember you know, Bare Necessities. You remember the bit of the vultures. You remember this, mm. that, and the other. But when you watch it as a whole, you go, there's no plot in this thing. It is just bits that mm. are fun. Um, but it doesn't add up. And I was surprised at how, how similar Mary Poppins was to that experience where it's it's two hours and 15 minutes long and it has so little real plot to speak of it is just things happening um and so by the end it it feels so light that although i've had kind of a good time watching various bits you know the whole kind of rooftop sequence is incredible um I felt kind of bereft. I felt like, oh God, is this it? And actually what it made me feel is when people sort of say, you know, oh God, how can you remake this? How can you reboot it? It's a classic. You go, not sometimes these things aren't untouchable. No, well, this, I mean, no. And I think the original Mary Poppins definitely isn't untouchable, though I have, I think there are some things that are in the original that I wish... um, the remake would have been more adventurous with. So, for example, I love the mother and making the mother a suffragette and, Mm. you know, our daughters will adore us and, you know, all of that bit. I thought, you know, I think Glynis John and, um, you know, that whole number was just glorious, really. Um, I also thought that some of the supporting cast, like Hermione Baddeley, the two maids and Rita Shaw, Who's, who's also fabulous in the pyjama game, Rita Shaw. But I love Hermione Baddeley. She's got that very wicked sense of humor. <laughs> uh, and, and actually, 
you know, I've I've loved Julie Walters for forty years, but she's beginning to get on my nerves playing Quite all of these, work. you know, housekeepers. You know, always so mannered. It's like she's playing the same role that she played in Paddington, really, mm. in this film. So, so I thought, you know, that was definitely inferior um, to the original film. And I thought that, you know, some of the imagination, the, you know, the Pope, Dick Van Dyke's Penguin number, right? Yeah. Kind of, you know, there's a joy in that and an imagination in that, actually. You know, so, so... Yeah, what, could, what, what was happening at the time when they made the first film is... Is that was brand new, you know? Mm. And actually, um, uh, Mary Poppins got it, it won um, it won five Oscars, and one of the Oscars was Best Visual Effects, I think. Right. You know, so this was like you know, kind of uh, live action and um, uh, hand drawn animation interacting was you know not that common, mm. and um, and it and it works beautifully in that film. And what this film does, rather than kind of innovating in any other way, it harks back to it. So when they go into the porcelain, they go back into a 2D animated world, which is very beautiful, and yeah. it's really nice to be it's there. It's very well done. It's very well done, um, but it is, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's atavistic rather than kind of forward-looking in the same sort of way. It's, it, it wants the past back. Yes. You know? I mean, I think the interesting thing about both films, um, and I have to say this carefully, because, I mean, the first film is visually, in many ways, very impressive, right? But on the other hand, you know... Like, none of the shots are, how to put it, visually expressive. So you see the characters within the frame doing extra- extraordinary things with the, you know, the live action and the animation and, yeah. But actually, there's nothing about the shot itself yeah. that's expressive, right? And uh, I think until you get to the rooftop, the rooftop scenes are different. When they walk up that, um, the... Uh, the staircase the sm- made of smoke, smoke. And, that's what, and, and the silhouettes against the sky. There are really wonderful visual moments there. Okay. But I think that's a bit of a one-off. Yeah. Um, and I think the same is true of this film, of the of the remake, right? I was very interested, for example, in seeing the credits of, you know, Rob directed by Rob Marshall and then choreography by Rob Marshall. And then you think, well, I wish he'd have fucking filmed his own choreography with more imagination than he does now, right? Because, you know, the choreography itself, to me, is, is it's good enough. It's not like, wow, you know, but it's good enough. But actually, what is not good enough is the way that it's filmed, right? And you got no sense of, of pattern or shape, or yeah, to kind yeah. of the images. It's like, it's, they were just filmed, really. Uh, and I found that very disappointing because, you know, I always remember actually there's a, there's a you know, I, I saw this interview with him in which, which has always stayed with me because he said something about, you know, the key to making musicals work is the moment where characters open their mouths to sing. You've got to get that moment right, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't get that moment right, it becomes ridiculous. And I think actually he gets those moments right throughout the, yeah. the remake, right? Um, so he's obviously somebody who knows about musicals and who likes musicals and so on. But actually, I just think he's got no visual sense in kind of filming dance, which really surprised me, his being a choreographer. And his having made um, you know musicals before. Chicago I mean, and so on. This made me want to... I've never seen Chicago. I've seen Chicago. This made me want to see it on the basis of the, the number 
in the in the porcelain world where they kind of go to the theatre yeah. and they get Mary Poppins up on stage. Yes. And then she kind of turns into basically Catherine Zeta Jones from Chicago with the hair like yeah. that and the kind of kinky boots and what yes. have you. And it turns into a real kind of show showstopper sort of you know, the, the lighting is stage lighting, all that sort of thing. It's a musical on stage number. Yes. And it, and it's great. I think it's one of the best bits of the film. I think so too. I loved it. So um, that had a real kind of that had a really strong kind of visual sense to it. But you kind of felt like he's doing what he knows. Well, other Rob Marshall films I've seen, Into the Woods particularly. Yeah, I've that was a very disappointing a film. Horrible time with. Yeah. Um, such a great score and such a disappointment visually. Um, and actually, the thing about Chicago is again, I love the score of Chicago, you know, but I remember all the dance numbers were cut up. Right. You know, they were edited, boom, 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 right? So, you know, they were edited on rhythm. So it was almost like the rhythm of the editing is what created the dance, which really, you know, annoyed me um, at the time. So, um, and did he also do nine? Was nine Yes. Yeah, like, you know, that's... That's not, that's not a credit to anyone. Yeah. Um, and, he, so, and he did one of the parts of the Caribbean movies as well, which is just... Oh, right, I haven't seen them. They're that, all just set to see it's rubbish. Yeah, I get them all mixed <laughs> up. I'm sure I have seen them all. Actually, On Stranger but, Tides, I think, was the one he did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not, not that you could remember... Yeah. Um, so um, I do think I, I said to you uh, after we came out, I I think we were sat a little bit too too, too close to the screen. We, were, we saw it on IMAX. Um, we saw it on the on the digit, IMAX digital in Birmingham, so the screen was massive, and that's really the way you want to see it, you know. Um, and it should be a spectacle, but uh, I think some of the some of the design visually may have been slightly compromised by the fact we were sat so close that actually you couldn't really get a picture of the whole thing. If we'd sat if we'd been sat a little bit further back we may have appreciated it more. I'm not saying it's a great film visually still, but I think we slightly compromised it ourselves by doing that. Um so so for me all in all, the I mean let let's be clear. I thought it was a joy to watch. I enjoyed I enjoyed it enormously and I enjoyed it all. You know, that said, I don't think it's a very good film. Yeah, it's, I, I kind of agree. Um, I, one thing I do think is that it's quite possible, if, if not likely, that um, it will become a classic to kids in the way that the original was way back when. I think, I, I, you know, we've got to reserve judgment on the songs, I think. Yes. It's true that we don't come out kind of humming the tunes. We can't remember any one of them. Mm. But that doesn't mean that they won't become memorable in time. Yes, with kids particularly with kids watching them 40 times. <laughs> exactly. um, so I'll, I'll definitely reserve judgment on that. And I think there ha- it has got kind of really enjoyable sequences and, um, and uh, sort Just... of moments. But like I say, watching it with sort of adult eyes and noticing all the things where it's just refusing to iterate on what the original film did and refusing to change anything mm. and just going we've got to do this exactly so it's rather like um, how the, 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 the trailer for the new Lion King mm. which people are calling live action which is very weird because it's CGI mm. but um, the trailer for the new Lion King is kind of it's composed of shots which are directly lifted from the 1994 Lion King but just done in CGI now. Mm. And it's it's bizarre that, like... I mean, remember when... Was it 1998 when Gus Van Sant remade Psycho shot mm. for shot? Mm. Literally shot for shot. Mm. I mean, he was vilified for it. How mm. can you remake Psycho? And now you're remaking Lion King shot for shot. And it's like, it's fantastic. God, we're going to see The Lion King again. As if you couldn't watch the original Lion King. It's very yes. weird. But this and is... so this film is, in in that mode, kind of going... 
you know, we can't possibly change anything because what people want is what they had, mm. sort of thing. Yes. Which is which is very disappointing. Well, it's very interesting because it's almost like let's say if a film had a blueprint, you know, both Mary Poppins and the original and this one have the same blueprint. So it's executed slightly different, so the numbers are different, or they take place in different places. Mm. But actually, the blueprint seems identical. Yeah, yeah, and it's so so. It's a very odd experience, really, kind of watching it if you know if you know the original very well, because after a while you are able to predict how it's going to go, what comes next, in a way, you know, yeah. or where is this piece going to be with the relative? Is it going to be you know up in the air or down? And <laughs> like I say, I think I think kids may. Um I think kids may attach to it very closely. Yes. You know, like it does have moments of visual sort of interest or moments of conceptual interest, like diving into the bath and then you end up in an underwater world. Yes. You know, like, you know, it's not the most original thing what, in the world, but it is quite good fun. And you go. What I love about this film, the colours pop out. It's really lively. It's It's, to me, in a way what you expect a musical to look like. The reds are red, the blues are blue. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, they're very happy colors, right? And it's a very bright film. And actually, I love the musical that is bright and full of poppy colors, and this was it. Yeah. Yeah, not tainted by any shadow. It's just yes. it's very flat lighting, it seems, all the way through. <laughs> like, get the colors out sort of thing, which is great. I did think about it in relation to Paddington, um, because partly because of... Ben Whishaw and uh, Judy Walters. I mean, mm. Judy Walters being a maid again, and as you say, being totally insufferable. Yeah. Um, but it made me think, you know, kind of, uh, Paddington was a film that I, Paddington 2 this is, is a film that I was really not looking forward to on the basis of the first film. Yes. And ended up having an amazingly good time. Mm. And I think that, um, it, in comparison, like, I kind of, I kind of wasn't, wasn't looking forward to this. I was more just curious to see what it would be like, really, because mm. the idea of a Mary Poppins sequel is kind of so novel. Um, I would say that it has fewer extremes because I did have lower lows in Paddington 2 like that first kind of half hour 45 minutes whatever it was when I was really not having a good time in Paddington 2 mm. um, I didn't experience anything like that in, in this on the other hand there were, there were fewer things that charmed the pants off me you know, like it, it, this doesn't have an equivalent of a Hugh Grant you know, mm. just stealing every scene sort of thing this doesn't have those moments yes. so it's, it, it's, a, it's a little bit more flat you know the the extremes of of how, what I felt were kind of shaved off in this compared to Paddington. So I would say I preferred Paddington on the basis of enjoying the moments that I enjoyed more. Well, I mean, to me, you know, the Meryl Streep number, you know, um, the Angela Lansbury appearance, all of those things were things that popped. That they were like, you know, moments that popped with joy for me. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I think Angela Lansbury probably wouldn't pop for, for for the youngsters seeing it. I think you have to know who she is. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, and that's quite a personal moment for you, I think. Yes, perhaps. <laughs> Though, you know, she did get given a whole number. and. Uh, well, she uh, didn't sing. Did she sing? She did sing. Did, did, she, did she sing? Oh, I, I, yes, I think she, she just sings. I think the number then goes into the to encompass everyone. That's right. But, yeah, uh, right. you know. and I mean, I, everyone else flies off into the sky and she's just sat there. And everyone who's grown up in Beauty and the Beast, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah or or uh, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Or, you know, but particularly, I mean, didn't she play the teapot? And, um, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it might have more resonance than you think. Possibly. Uh, I mean, she's certainly got an incredibly... Um, uh, recognizable voice 
Yes. You, know, um, you recognise her from her voice if you yes. don't recognise her face, which yeah. you should anyway because she's got a very recognisable face too. <laughs> but, you know, she, yeah, she does have a voice that you remember. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not. But um, it's kind of, in a, in a way, it's um, it's not for me in a way. Like, this is this is a film that is absolutely for a new generation of yeah, people coming it is. to it. And I think a new generation will love it. I think they probably will, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, on that basis, I could, you know I would highly recommend it. I would reasonably recommend it, but then I would, <laughs> then I would reasonably recommend it in the same way that I would kind of guardedly recommend watching the old one because, like I say, going back to the old one, you go, "God, there's nothing happening in this." It's well, as good as I remember. <laughs> I didn't feel that as strongly as you did, actually, that nothing was happening because I think each of the numbers, uh, as a number, expressed different things. Mm. So I think there were, um, you know, very many things happening. And it was all kind of, you know, very well done and enjoyable. It wasn't great. Like, you know, kind of, you know, there's there's no mom moments in this comparable to the really great musicals like, you know, An American in Paris. I mean, I was just, I went to the museum in Madrid a few weeks ago, you know, and there's just that bit of the ballet in An American in Paris where uh, Gene Kelly, you know, wakes up from his dream and, or, you know, grabs the rose. You know, and, you know, there were a dozen people kind of riveted on this little moment of film, yeah, that kind of was on a loop and, you know, shown under the worst conditions possible and so on. There's nothing in the original Mary Poppins that's done, you know, with such flair and such such artistry, mm. you know. Um, but, you know, kind of, it's a, it's. I found it still very, very enjoyable to watch now, even though it looks kind of old-fashioned and slightly clunky uh and i think the new one is likewise it's not a great film but actually in many ways it is comparable to the original yeah it's a very efficient film you know kind of made with an eye to the audience that will end up pleasing that audience yeah and it kind of offers something that you won't get in other places which makes the kind of the flaws pale into comparison depends on the background like i mean it's worth remembering that the original mary poppins um was nominated for Best Picture. Yes. Which, you know, I would say, on the basis of its filmmaking, is surprising. Yeah. But on the basis of everything else it offers is not. Yes. See what I mean? No, I agree, yes. So, yes, that, you know. Um, okay, so, so shall we yeah. wrap it up? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's half decent. Yeah, kids, we'll will, kids will like it. You'll enjoy it. Um, We're eavesdropping at the movies. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, uh, Facebook and Twitter, and eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.